The title of this message is Cleaving to Naomi. The key text is from the book of Ruth, chapter 1 and verse 14. Ruth, chapter 1 and verse 14 says, And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth, Ruth, clave unto her. We have to understand that there are many people who somehow have, to some degree, enjoyed the presence of the gospel. They liked what they heard. They saw some change came. I want to use Naomi as a symbol of the, the gospel because, see, she represents Israel. She came to Moab with her husband, her family, and she saw she she demonstrated what it is like to be with somebody who was a child of Abraham. Now uh, Ruth and her sister Orpah were Moabites. They were pagans. They didn't know anything about. Abraham and the promises of Abraham. But through Naomi, they were blessed. They came to believe in the one God of Israel. But the time came when Naomi was returning to her people. And the Bible says, Orpah cried, wept. But Naomi, sorry, Ruth, clave unto her. There will always be those who will weep. They show emotions, but they're not willing to go with the gospel. They're not willing to give up everything, to cleave to Jesus, to cleave to the promises of Abraham. I don't know what Orpah went back to, but we know what Ruth went back to. If we give up everything for the gospel, if we are willing in the name of Jesus to trust Naomi, who represents the gospel and the promises of Abraham, God will bless us a hundredfold. He will give us eternal life, blessings that we cannot begin to imagine. Praise God. You know, the gospel always comes to us like Jesus came to us. Jesus was unassuming. There was nothing about him that would make us desire him. Nothing in his exterior. When you looked at Naomi, Naomi looks like somebody who, who's a loser. Sorry, sorry to use that term. Uh, why is uh, Ruth willing to risk everything to go with a woman who it doesn't look like God is with her? She herself said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Well, she said, they're bitter because God has forsaken me. He's not with me. But you see, Ruth is not fooled. Those who truly love God, those who are truth seekers, we will never allow Naomi to tell us, stay with your people. Stay outside of the promises of Abraham. Never. 
we will cleave to the gospel. Ruth is not following Naomi. She's following the promises of Abraham. She somehow could see something that even Naomi could not see. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know that sometimes Christians may not see the promises that God gave them, but somebody who is from outside may see it. Hey, praise God. Amen. Sometimes we as Christians are not good witnesses, but there is always a Ruth who will see something that even we do not see with our faith, with our gospel. Oh, hallelujah. It, there will be people who will come and say, no, don't tell me to go back to my people. Amen. I will be with you wherever you go because I see something bigger. You see, Naomi, all she needed to do was to come to be in the land of Moab. All we need to do is to show ourselves to the world. Amen. Let the world judge whether we have something worth following, worth cleaving to. We should not be the judges of it. Amen. This is what we have. Silver and gold have I none, Peter said, but such as I have given unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, who has rise up and walk. That's what we have. We have salvation through Jesus Christ. We have, hallelujah, the doctrine of the one who said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is unto you, to your children, as many as are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. This is what we have. This is what Naomi represents. But Naomi herself could not see it. Praise God. Just because you're a child of Abraham doesn't mean that you understand the promises of Abraham. Praise God. So we need to, we need to once again look at what we have. We need to cleave to Naomi. Hallelujah. Amen. So Today, Naomi will serve as a symbol of the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the great commission? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says in the great commission, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost. We know this is one name. Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. We know Jesus is the name of the Son and of the Father and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, ask for the Holy Ghost in my name. He never said, ask just for the Holy Ghost. He said, in my name. Amen. Then he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Do we want Jesus to be with us until the end of the time? Then we need to teach people. We need to go and we need to teach people everything that Jesus taught. Then Jesus will be with us always. I pray we will not teach half of the things that Jesus said. There are people who say repent and call on the name of Jesus. That is not 
whatsoever, all things whatsoever that Jesus taught? No. Jesus taught many, many, many things, which even while he was in flesh, the apostles could not receive. But Jesus said, when the Spirit will come, he will lead you into all truth. So, when you look at the four Gospels, that is not all of what Jesus was teaching. Please understand this. Amen? Because look at what the Great Commission says. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Who is he speaking to? To the apostles. When did he teach them all things? Not while he was in the flesh, but when he came in the Holy Ghost. Then he taught them many more things. And that is why on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, repent and be baptized. Acts 2.38, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Amen. People tell us, why do you baptize in the name of Jesus only? It's because Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost will come, John 16.13, he will lead you into all truth. He will teach us all things that Jesus taught. So if you really want to know what are all these things that Jesus taught? You have to come to the apostles. You have to come to the book of Acts. You have to come to the book of Romans. Today, me and Brother Victor were speaking. I was talking a lot about the book of Romans. Because the apostle Paul was put in prison. We went to visit the place where he was put in prison and he wrote letters. When he wrote his letters, hallelujah. I can tell you the place they put him was horrible. And yet... There were some other people there and we were talking and I told them, but you know, the Holy Ghost was here <laughs> to enlighten Paul. So while this place was horrible and dark, he was inspired and illuminated and encouraged by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus. Amen. So we need to understand what Jesus is saying. Unless we come to the apostles who were the only ones why are they called apostles? Because they were the only ones who were witnesses and at the same time whom Jesus taught fully everything there was to be taught. Amen? So if we really want to obey the Great Commission, it's not just to go and tell people, put your hands up in the air and say, Jesus is Lord and then all is well. No. We have to go and we have to teach all things that Jesus commanded us. Who knows all things that Jesus commanded? The apostles knew. That's why we teach not only from the four Gospels, but from the writings of the apostles. Let's continue. So there was something in the Ruth that recognized the value of Naomi. Praise me. Naomi had a God. Naomi had a people. They were called Israel. These were people of destiny. Naomi did not fully understand her heritage. There are Christians who don't fully understand the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of the calling of Jesus. But Ruth, a Moabitess, she perceived the blessings that her mother-in-law had and represented. She understood Somehow, despite all the troubles, the woes, the apparent fruitfulness of Naomi's life, 
Ruth could still see the promises of Abraham. She could still see something more. Ah, praise God. May God give us the faith of Ruth. May Jesus make every one of us a Ruth. Ruth is not a woman who looks at setbacks. She does not jump to conclusions because everything looks terrible. Oh, Naomi, your husband died. Yeah, My own husband died. I think you bring curses with you wherever you go. She should have, she could have called her the black widow, widow. Or wherever she goes, people, men seem to die. Uh, who wants to follow such a woman? Do you know that there are some Christians who will jump to conclusion? Yeah? If you start to cough, they say, ah, there, God is judging him because he's even. <laughs> if you break your don't break your hand because they're going to say, definitely, this is a sign God hates this person. Listen. Ruth never jumped to conclusions, no matter what happened. The people around her were dying. All those who came from Israel seemed to be dying. She could have said, uh, I think I might as well go back to my gods. Because these people who would call on the name of the God of Abraham and in Israel, nah, there doesn't seem to be many blessings in her. Naomi herself testifies that she's cursed. So why should I serve the God of Israel? Please listen to what I'm saying. Some of us, the devil is going to test you again and again. Maybe God will allow him to do that, as he did with Job. And then we may make the mistake that Naomi made and think God is not with her. And the three friends of Job came and were trying to convince Job that he is wrong. He sinned. They began to rebuke him, even the youngest one, Eliyahu. Even he said, ah, Old men are not always wise, he said. You see? You're not always wise. You Let, let me speak, he said, because I, I need to defend God. Can you imagine there are some people who want to defend God? They want to fight for God. God bless them. But listen, do you know when God finally spoke to Job? In three chapters, God asked him 83 questions. 83 questions. God did not give him one answer. He gave him 83 questions. Job said, oh, that I may meet God so I can question him. God did not allow him to question. We are nobody to question God. Let God be God. God is sovereign. Let him do what he wants to do. Why do we ask him? What are you doing? Who are we? I know we do it. I've done it. But I've repented. Forgive me, Lord. You are God. He doesn't need to. We cannot put him before our judgment seat. God have mercy in Jesus. Let God be God. Let him ask us questions. You know, he asked him 83 questions. Job could not answer one question. How can you answer a question that says, have you seen the gates of death? I have never seen the gates of death. There's no GPS that can take me there. Ah, Job said, I've spoken foolishly. Naomi spoke foolishly. When we don't know what God is doing, let's be quiet. Let's just say you are God. I trust you. Even though my husband died, even though my wife may have died, even though my sons may have died, you are God, you are in control. Can we have that kind of faith? You see, Ruth is Ruth. 
And we call our children Ruth because this woman believed against hope. She had hope that seemed to be based on nothing. Based on what? What did you see in the God of Israel that makes you trust him? A miracle? No. Blessings? No. Why? I believe the God of Abraham. I believe the God of Abraham. I don't know why, but I believe he is God. I believe his word is true. I believe if I go to his country, he will bless me. Ah, can we have this kind of faith in Jesus' name? Cleave to Naomi. Even though Naomi doesn't want you to cleave to her. Tell her, listen, Naomi. It's not about you. It's about the God you represent. It is about the people you represent. The destiny that you represent in Jesus' name, Hallelujah. Who is going to have this faith? It's faith that does not look at what is happening around you. No. Whatever wants to happen, happen. I don't care. I believe in the promises of Jesus. I believe Jesus is God. I believe Jesus is the healer. I believe Jesus is the deliverer. I believe he came to set the captives free. I believe he walked on the waters of the Sea of the Galilee. I believe he's a comforter. Hallelujah. I believe he raises from the dead. I believe the day will come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and be raised up. Hallelujah. I believe I shall see his feet touched down on the Mount of Olives. I believe I shall see the new Jerusalem. I believe God shall wipe away all tears. Hallelujah. Everything is yes. And amen. And by faith, hallelujah, praise God. Ah, may the faith of Ruth burn in us, cleaving. We are not just going to cry and weep like Orpah and go back. Do you know the Christians called Orpah? Not Oprah, not Oprah Winfrey, but Orpah. They are the ones who cry. They say, I love you so much, Jesus. And then they go back to Moab. Yeah, we know many of those kinds of uh, Christians, Orpa, Orpa Christians. We don't need Orpa Christians. We need Ruth Christians, the ones who will even say goodbye to Orpa, my sister. I will not be with a sister who weeps with me and then says to Naomi, goodbye, goodbye. No, I will go with Naomi. I will go with the gospel wherever the gospel goes. If my sister doesn't want to join, my brother doesn't want to join, my father, my mother, goodbye, praise God. I will follow the gospel. Hallelujah. May God give us the faith of Ruth in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's continue. This was the great gift which Ruth possessed. She knew where the blessings of God were located. She claimed to this blessing. What is your gift? Somebody said, I have the gift to prophesy. Wonderful. But do you know where the blessings of God are located? Because if you don't, I don't want to be with you. I want somebody who knows where the blessings of God are and will cleave to them. Ruth knew her ticket to blessings in Israel were through Naomi. Amen. Praise God. Ruth's sister Oprah only kissed Naomi, said farewell, but Ruth claved to Naomi, refused to go. Hallelujah. We, like Ruth, have determined to cleave to Jesus. Amen. 
we know why she clave to. Because let's read Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. These words came from a heart that was burning for the God of Israel. She, I, I li like to call Ruth the Mary of the Old Testament. You remember Mary who refused to leave the feet of Jesus? Ruth had the same spirit. When she opened her mouth, we know from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. She said, and Ruth said, and entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ruth was uh, basically a nobody. But today, one of the greatest scriptures and statements, declarations of faith in the Bible comes from the mouth of a woman from Moab. A Moabiter said this. Praise God. Wonderful. Leave to Jesus like Naomi. Sorry, like Ruth. The gospel is some ways like Ruth. No, sorry. The gospel is in some ways like Naomi. Sorry to confuse these names, but you see, Naomi came from somewhere else. Yeah, She came from Israel, from Bethlehem, and she came to Moab, and then again she left. The gospel is like Naomi. The gospel is always moving, brothers. Somebody says, I love the gospel. Be careful. You better have, you know, good shoes on you. I mean, today, brother Victor and me were walking, walking, and then he said his, he needs to buy proper shoes with proper soles because his feet were hurting. Uh, if, you, if you're going to walk around in the Roman Forum and uh, the Colosseum area, uh, you, you need to have good shoes. And generally, if you are going to follow the gospel, you better have good, good spiritual souls on you. Firstly, you must be willing to move. The gospel is movement in Jesus. Jesus said, go. Hallelujah. Somebody says, Lord, I'll do anything. He says, okay. Put on your shoes. Praise God and move. Hallelujah. You see, Naomi was moving around there. Yeah? Perhaps she didn't plan to move around, but that's how the gospel is. Sometimes God will bring a famine in Bethlehem so that you will move from Bethlehem and go to Moab and bring back Ruth. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Can I repeat it? Praise God. You wonder, Lord, why is there a famine in Bethlehem? And the Lord says, because I want you to bring Ruth. From Moab. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sometimes Christians say, Lord, I serve you. I, I used to pray for 50 years. Give us this day our daily bread. And now there's a famine in Bethlehem. And the Lord said, yes. Today, I've not given you your daily bread. I've given you a famine so that you can go move and bring back Ruth. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Let me tell you as a Christian. Sometimes... Things will go wrong. 
but they're not, they haven't gone wrong. Things have gone better because what seems to be wrong is going to become a big blessing. God is fixing to bring a roof. Praise God. When David was running from King Saul in En Gedi, when you read what he wrote, he was really tormented. He wanted it to stop. But guess what? If he stopped, we would stop at Psalm number 15, maybe. We wouldn't have, have Psalm 34, Psalm 57, Psalm 51, Psalm 119. Praise God. David, God has made you uncomfortable so that we will have 150 Psalms. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. He didn't write all of the Psalms, but he wrote most of them. And he didn't write it, write all of them when he was comfortable. Amen. So Christian, please understand what I'm saying. When things seem to go wrong in your life, if you are living a holy life, if you are doing the will of Jesus and things are going wrong, they're not going wrong. Jesus is doing something wonderful that you cannot see. And this is what Ruth knew somehow. But Naomi did not understand. Because the Bible says that there was famine in Bethlehem and then they left to go to Moab. And guess what happened in Moab? She lost her husband, her, her sons. And then the Bible says Suddenly she heard that the Lord had visited Bethlehem and there was food in Bethlehem. Ah, do you see how God works? <laughs> Praise God. Can we worship him? Can we bless him? God knows how to switch off the water and to turn it on again. He knows when to open the windows of heaven to bless and close. God closed the windows of heaven in Bethlehem so that he could bring Ruth from Moab. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah, praise God. Amen. So much God loved Ruth that he shut the windows of heaven in Bethlehem. No food in Bethlehem. Hmm, you say, wow, did God do that for Ruth? Yes, he did it. When God sees somebody who loves him. You know, Bethlehem means the house of bread. Yeah? It's no bread, sorry. God shut the windows of heaven because he needs Ruth to come. He needs Naomi to go. So when things go wrong, don't say, uh, Pastor, please pray for me. For what? There's no bread in Bethlehem, no bread in my kitchen. Well, go to Moab and bring Ruth. Never look at a problem and say, it's a big problem. I'm in trouble. No. For those who serve Jesus. All things, say with me, all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If Jesus called you and you love him and you pray, you worship him, you read the Bible, you witness, you fast, I'm telling you, nothing can go wrong. Nothing. Everything will work together for good. Hmm, hallelujah. Just cleave to the gospel. Cleave to Naomi. What may look like a tragedy. Everybody's sad. Why? Because all the men are dead. The husband of uh, what's her name? Naomi is dead. Her two sons, Malon and Kilion, are dead. My goodness. 
Let's have a long morning. Let's declare a solemn day, I mean, solemn season. Moan the dead. No. God knew it would happen. God never moans. God never goes to funerals. God does not know what the meaning of defeat is. He doesn't know the meaning of setbacks. He is always prepared. He is always ahead of us. Praise God in Jesus' name. Do you have faith? Say amen in Jesus' name. Praise God. We follow the God of Ruth. We have the faith of Ruth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So the gospel is like Naomi. It comes from somewhere else. It stays a while. Then it moves. So like Ruth, we must be able to recognize the worth and the sacrifice of the gospel. We must move with it. Praise God. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4 verses 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 4 verses 19 and 20. Matthew 4, 19 and 20 says, He said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. You see, Jesus came from somewhere else. He was not from Capernaum, Capernaum. He came from Nazareth. But the apostles recognized his identity and they left everything to follow him. Praise God. Have you noticed Jesus never repeated this command to his apostles? One time he said, follow me. They left everything. One time. There are some people, Jesus is still telling you to follow him after 500 times. 50 years have gone by and Jesus is still saying, follow me. And they're still not listening. The apostles heard one time following and they left everything. Imagine going to a today we were walking around in the city of Rome and and, and not long ago, yesterday we came uh, with by a flight from Norway. So so let me use these examples. Imagine the plane touches down on the runway and the plane taxis to the terminal, and suddenly Jesus comes to the pilot and says, Follow me. And straight away, the pilot leaves the plane and follows Jesus without waiting for all the passengers to leave. And the, the crew, the flight attendant said, Captain, where are you going? Jesus said, follow me. I am leaving this plane. I am leaving Norwegian Air. That's the one we came with, Norwegian. I'm leaving Lufthansa. I'm leaving whatever airlines. Fill in the blanks. Praise God. Or imagine the bus driver in the city of Rome where we were walking today. Suddenly the bus is full at the bus stop and Jesus comes in to the driver's door, through the driver's door and tells the bus driver, follow me. And the bus driver leaves the bus <laughs> and walks out of the bus. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Praise God. This is what Jesus would be doing. If Jesus had started his ministry today, Praise Jesus. I'm telling you, pilots would leave their plane. Bus drivers would leave their planes, uh, their, their buses. Hallelujah. Taxi drivers would abandon their taxis in the taxi stand and follow Jesus. Praise God. Somebody would leave the bakery. Amen. 
a businessman who's running to his office. Jesus says, follow me. He leaves his business, his office, follows Jesus. Faith, Jesus. Amen. The mafia boss on the way to, I don't know, kill somebody, God forbid. Jesus says, follow me. He abandons his mission. He throws away his gun. Follows Jesus. These are the kinds of ragtag people Jesus brought together. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is God. Let's admire him. Give him credit for with one word, praise God. He made people abandon what they were doing. And Ruth is also a worthy apostle, so to speak. She did not need... You see, the gospel was telling her many times, so to speak, through Naomi. You don't need to follow me. You're a Moabitess. Go back to your country. Stay with your gods. That's what Naomi said. She was tested. Sometimes you will be tested by Jesus. Are you really going to follow me? Are you sure? Amen. Have you counted the cost? The more we hear, the more we say, yes. Your God is my God. Your country is my country. Your people, my people. Hallelujah. Let nothing but death separate me from you in Jesus' name. Ah, praise God. And we, we need the spirit of Ruth upon us in Jesus' name. Doesn't matter how many people die around us. We still believe in the God of Naomi. Even if Naomi does not believe in her God, we believe in her God. Even if David would doubt that God is with him, we would say, yes, God is with you. We are following you in Jesus' name. We don't follow somebody who God is, is not with. Amen. Praise God. Allow me to speak candidly to you. Are we allowing the gospel to lead us as it wills? Or are we determining where and how far the gospel will lead us? That's the question. Ruth had never met the people of Naomi. She never met Israelites except Naomi and her family. But she determined that they would be her people. Are you with me? I've always said, we don't determine who are the people of God. Jesus determines who his people are. Amen. The gospel has its own people, so to speak. We cannot know who they are. Stop selecting who will try to come into the kingdom of God. All we need to know is that we love the people of Jesus. Black, brown, white, and all shades in between. Hallelujah. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. <laughs> That's the song children sing. Amen. How through. In this age where we are so increasingly polarized. You know, when God divided the world, he only divided it by using language. But today we are divided by race, by culture, by class, by politics, by an endless list of new issues. Few individuals understand the value of the gospel as the apostle Paul did. Let us never get tired of listening to what he wrote. This is why he lies buried about 15 minutes from where I'm sitting today. Did you know that? The Apostle Paul. It's very, uh, you know, poignant for me. It's, it's heavy. It's, it's sobering that the man whose name I've adopted, 
because of how much I love his example. I was telling Brother Victor, you know, the Apostle Paul, through Jesus, has been teaching me. He, I've been a student for the last 36 years, imagine. And now I finally come to the place where he wrote some of his letters and they, they killed him. They beheaded him. He, he became a martyr. 15 minutes or so from where I am. It's, I, I can't explain to you what I feel. It's heavy. Uh, it's sobering. It's powerful. But listen to what this man said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 22. You know, by the way, the, the, the Colosseum and all of these others were filled. We couldn't even get them. But when we went to where the Apostle Paul was put in prison and Peter, there were hardly a few people. You can count them on one hand. And I was telling Brother Victor, I said, look, look at, you know, the state of Christianity today. It's sad. The Colosseum is like, you know, what did they do there, basically? They were killing Christians. There was spectacle, circus, and gore, and murder, and gladiators, and not, every evil. But where the holy apostles sacrificed their freedom, wrote letters that shook the Roman Empire, uh, very few people go there. But listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 22. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a, as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under, under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Praise him. Listen to the words of the great, the greatest of all evangelists and missionaries. Do we want to win souls? Do we want to make an impact on the world? This man's legacy is still with us. 2,000 years later, Paul is winning people through the gospel. I was sharing with Brother Victor again. I said, I'm seeing now why, while I'm in Rome, I'm being reminded of the house of Martin Luther that I visited two years ago, just outside of the city of Berlin, a place called Lutherstadt. The whole city is named after Martin Luther. Because, and I'll explain it this way, and listen carefully to what I'm saying, especially for those who live in Europe, and, uh, but it applies to even the USA, Canada. You can't understand the history of the West unless you understand this. You see, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, to the people in this city where I am today, he wrote to them and said, the just shall live by faith. And you know what happened? A few centuries later, the Catholic Church took over with Leo, Pope Leo I, around 500 AD. And for 1,000 years, 
They said, no, don't read the Bible. It's only for the priests in Latin. And no, the just shall not live by faith. You need works. You need to do things, penances. You need to give to the church, etc., uh, etc. Et and they made this elaborate system of deeds and a hierarchy within the church. And for 1,000 years, people did not, I mean, the contents of the letter to the Romans basically became a distant, you know, um, a distant thing that nobody really, it, it was lost to history. And one day, five and roughly 500 years ago, here's this Catholic monk who tried everything he could, everything he knew how to, to make God happy. Penances. He crawled on the ground on all fours. He lived in darkness in little, you know, small rooms. He kept repenting penances. And the more he did it, the more miserable he felt. Until one day, he read the gospel to the Romans, the, the, the letter to the Romans, the just shall live by faith. And that, brothers and sisters, was the spark that we needed for the Reformation to happen, for the yoke of popery and Catholicism to be lifted. And from there, we had the Enlightenment, etc., etc., and, you know, a different world today. Uh, not a perfect or wonderful world, but definitely today, many more people live, I would say, by faith uh, than they did 500 years ago. Christians today can buy a Bible and read the Bible in any which language that you so choose. And I was saying, now I see the connection between these two cities because Paul wrote to the Romans. But it was here in Rome that the Pope shut down the message to the Romans, the just shall live by faith. Of course, Anything we do for Jesus, repentant, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, this is what the apostolics preach. All of it has to be done through faith. Amen. We, we don't have to go through a church system to fulfill this. If we, if we claim to be the only ones through whom this can be fulfilled, we, we are trying to rebuild what Martin Luther destroyed. Uh, the Catholic hierarchy. We don't need another hierarchy. We must not become another hierarchy. The just shall live by faith. God always has just people who will live by faith. Even though they may not belong to any particular church, they belong to Jesus. Let's not forget that. Cornelius. Which church did he belong to when Jesus said that God has erected a monument unto him in heaven? Imagine that. Your arms... Your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. Excuse me, which church, which pastor has approved of this guy, which, uh, which pope? He doesn't need a pope. He doesn't need a priest. Jesus is his priest. Even Pastor Peter was not willing to be his pastor. How about that? Well, we need Pastor Jesus. He's sufficient. If Pastor Jesus is your pastor, your shepherd, oh, hallelujah. Blessed are, are, are you. Amen. It doesn't mean we don't need pastors on this earth, but understand, 
hostages, including me, can sometimes be weirdos, be funny. I'm speaking openly. They can disappoint you. Don't let a pastor come in the way of you going to heaven. Don't let any so-called minister disappoint your walk with Jesus. Amen. Even I will say this, don't be dependent on any minister or anybody in your walk with Jesus. The pastor is there to help you to go to heaven. He's not there to determine whether you will go to heaven. He's not there to determine whether you will be a Christian. That is the job of Jesus. My job is to tell you what the Bible says. It is to assist you. It is to help you. It is to give an account of your soul. It is to preach the gospel to you so that as long as it is called today, your heart will not be hardened. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> what do you do when you are na your name is Ruth? And Naomi tells you, go back to your gods. What do you do? Sometimes we have to rebuke such people. Excuse me. Uh, can you stop this nonsense? Your God is my God. Your people, my people. So this discussion is over. That's what Ruth was telling us. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise you. You see, when, when Peter came before Cornelius, Peter was very humble. Because basically he was saying, actually, um, uh, excuse me, but I, I did not want to come here to preach. Hey, well, didn't I tell you there are pastors who will not even want to preach to you if it's up to them? If the gospel belongs to them, they wouldn't preach to you. But you know what? It's like an angel caught him by the collar and pushed him out of the house of Simon the Tanner and brought him by force. So Peter was there unwillingly. Sometimes God has to give us pastors unwillingly. Sometimes God has to give us a Moses who doesn't want to be our leader. And God has to get angry with him and says, who made the mouth? Go, I will be with you. Be quiet, hallelujah. That's why I said, don't let a pastor get in your way. Make sure you can't go to heaven. Amen. Don't let any pastor stop you. Heaven is not made by your pastor. The Bible is not written by your pastor. Amen. Your pastor will not raise you from the dead. Jesus will. Amen. So I'm saying this with all due respect to a pastor. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister of God. <laughs> Amen. But you have the right to tell me. Brother Paul, you may be a pastor, but sometimes you get in my way. Could you get out of my way in Jesus? Amen. Otherwise, I'm just going to roll over you. Amen. I promise I'll, I'll get out of your way. Amen. So we need to we need to be aware of this with all humility in Jesus. No pastor wants to be a hindrance to people to go to heaven. We want to see millions come to heaven through our ministry in Jesus' name. Praise God. So let's continue. God expects us to die twice. The first time he expects us to die to the self and the second time to our communal or national identity. Did you know that? Say amen if you believe that. What did Paul say? I'm just commenting on what Paul said. The apostle Paul died to himself on the road to Damascus. And then what did he die to? He said to the Jews, I became a Jew. To them that are under the laws, under the, that I meant. To them that are without the laws, without. I was, I became all things to all men. In other words, he died twice. 
Can somebody say, Jesus help me to die twice? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I need to die to my sins. And I need to die to the culture that does not allow me to become all things to all men. In Jesus' name. Brother, sister, are you going to be an American in heaven? Are you going to be a German in heaven? Have you plans to be a Japanese in heaven? Then I think you're going to the wrong place. Amen. In heaven, there are only children of Jesus Christ. Amen. We will all be children of Jesus. There will be one people, one God, one identity, one nation, the nation of Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't we start behaving this way right now? Amen. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what are we saying? You really want to do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven? Why don't you begin by dying to your national identity in Jesus' name? Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Come on. Is a Christian in France going to fight a Christian in, in uh, let's say, Ivory Coast? Because I fight for my country and you fight for your country. Uh, we have one country. It's called heaven. Amen. Let's be aware of this country first in Jesus' name. What I'm saying may not make sense, but this is how the apostles thought. Why do you think otherwise they died here in Rome? Why did the apostle John die outside of Ephesus in Seljuk? We've been there outside his grave at his tomb last year. Brother Simon was with us. We stood there. The great apostle John. We thought that he was inseparable from the apostle uh, Peter and James. But notice where Peter died. Here. We hope to go there tomorrow. St. Peter's Basilica, the Vatican, right there, was where he was martyred. He's a long way from home. I like to believe before he died, the Apostle Peter truly became all things to all people. He's our beloved Peter, after all. Amen. We love him. A great man of God. We're proud of him. God can make people change. God can change me and you. Praise God. Because I'm saying we live in a time of migration and globalization. I'm telling you, wherever I travel, it's like the whole world is mixed together. What did the Bible say? In the last days, they will mingle with the seed of men. Yeah, Mingle with the seed of men. Why do you think people mingle in the last days? Yeah? Turn with me to Daniel chapter 2 and verse 43. Listen to what I'm saying, please. It's not for everyone. If you want to live like we lived in the last few centuries, that's up to you. But if you want to seize the moment, if you want more fruit in heaven, you need to understand the times we're living in. The world is mixing and moving around. Why? Because Jesus no longer has time for missionaries to go to uh, Namibia and uh, Chile 
or whatever, some remote location. Those days are over. We're in the days of broadband. We're in the days of, uh, uh, you know, travel has become, I mean, in, in, in a day or two, you could travel basically all over the world. So the prophecy given to Daniel has been fulfilled in Daniel 2.43. It says, where as thou sowest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Listen, this is also true. If you look around you, you will notice that most of our Western big cities, our great cities of the West, they seem to be segregated. That, that's a sad fact, but that is not the issue here. The world today looks like Daniel chapter 2, verse 43. Amen? If you don't believe it, just go to downtown Amsterdam. Go to downtown uh, Paris. <laughs> go to downtown London. Go to downtown Rome. Go to downtown Oslo. I'll give you a good example. At least I should know something about my own uh, capital city of our country, uh, Norway. Oslo, Norway, the capital of Norway, believe it or not, when I came to Oslo, Norway, we had less than 3% of the capital city that had uh, what we call a diverse background, minority background. Guess what the number is today? It's between 35 to 40% within 33 years. The population of our capital city has changed dramatically. And this is what? The Viking capital up in the north. What do you think is going on in London then, in Berlin? What do you think is going on in 100 major cities in the United States of America already have a majority of the minority? 100 major cities. How about that? In the in God's own country, United States of America, that's how fast things have changed. You know why all this is happening? This is not so that somebody gets mad and says, what's happening to my country? Let's build a wall, build a wall against Mexico and let's, let's hate this and that. No, this is so that you and I will be given a last chance by God to reach out to people from countries that normally we would never go anywhere near. How about that? We Christians cannot afford to be racists. God forbid in Jesus' name. What does it mean to be a racist? We see the soul of people. We don't see the skin color of people. The souls of people. The soul is mine, God said. In heaven, there is no skin color, brothers and sisters. In heaven, there is no culture, only the culture of Jesus. We will all have the culture of our father, Jesus. Please do not be distracted by the issues the world is distracted with. See the soul. If you cannot go down on your knees and cry for a white person or a black person or a brown person or an Asian or a Buddhist or a gay person or whatever they may be, we love everyone. Jesus created everyone. We cry for the soul. That's the spirit of Jesus. No discussion. We should cry if the Holy Ghost is really in you. 
you will cry bitterly for every sin. When the Spirit of God comes upon me, I can cry for perfect strangers that I just met a few days ago and may never meet them again. And I may cry for them as if I was crying for my own children. May God help us because if we don't get this burden that the Apostle Paul had, if we don't have the spirit of Ruth who did not see an Israelite, he just saw, you know, the Israelites were the biggest enemies of Moab. I'll tell you why. Do you know why? Let me say something which is already in the Bible, but each time we mention it, we just feel so ashamed. Have we forgotten how the children of Moab and Ammon came about? They were the result of incest, according to the Bible. Yeah? In other words, they were not really part of the plan. When Abraham left, he took Lot with him when he left Ur of the Chaldees. He never had a clue that his own nephew would give, would be the father of two nations who would be bitter enemies against his people. But I'll tell you one thing that happened. Through Ruth, God brought some healing. Ah, somebody say amen. We will refuse to always be some sort of a shame some sort of sin made by somebody else. Ruth said, I may be the daughter of Lot through incest. I will not bring shame to Abraham. I will bring a blessing to Abraham. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know who I'm speaking to. Jesus is telling me, if you are burdened by guilt or for some sin, that is not your fault. Stop blaming yourself in the name of Jesus. Be like Ruth. The children of Israel used to look down upon Moab and Ammon. They said these are the children of incest. So when Ruth, why is she loving these people? Why did she say your people are my people? When they would spit upon her normally and say you are the children of incest. Let me tell you. God is not a God who sees as human beings see. Whatever the shame of your past, Jesus is able to give you, to put you into the line of King David. Hallelujah. See what Jesus did with the shame of this Moabitess. He took Ruth and he made her the great, great grandmother of King David. How about that? Praise God. So that whenever somebody will want to lift their finger against the name of Ruth, somebody will say, be careful. You're speaking about the great-great-grandmother of none other than Melech David, King David. Hallelujah. Praise God. God will take away our shame. Jesus will remove your shame. He will put you in a good family. He will put the single into families, it says. God is not finished with us. He's not finished with you. He will wipe away your shame. If you hold on to the gospel, if you say the people of Jesus are my people, doesn't matter what the people of Jesus say. We are not dependent on them to accept us. We will tell them that whether you like it or not, we are part of your family. Amen. Hallelujah. I praise. I'm going with you to heaven. You may think you're going somewhere else. You may think this is an exclusive club, but no. But God 
of the church has called me also. Ecclesia, I'm part of those who are called out, praise God. Amen. Jesus will wipe away the shame of Lot through Ruth. Amen. She's a daughter of Lot, but she's also become a daughter of Abraham. Hallelujah. Her great-great-great-grandson was called Solomon. <laughs> Look how glorious he was. God will exchange the shame for the glory of Solomon. Amen. You see, I've always told people, if only pe you allow people to look down upon you, only then will they look down upon you. But if you refuse to let anyone look down upon you, they cannot. They cannot. Never allow anybody to look down upon you. Look them in the eyes. Let them know they're no better than you. No. We're all the children of the same God who made us. Amen. Praise Jesus. And God didn't make us unequal. He made us equal. So Ruth had this spirit. She didn't look at her shame. She didn't look at the shame of Naomi. She looked at the God of Israel. Let's look at Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So remember what I was saying. Even Daniel 12 verse 4. I want to close. But it says, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Amen. Why will people run to and fro in the last days? Why will the seed of humans mingle in the last days? You know why? Because Jesus Christ is about to return. That's why. God wants all to hear the blessed gospel and be saved. You may say, what is this gospel? In short, there is only one God. Indivisibly one. There is no trinity. This God was manifested in a body and gave his flesh and blood to save us from our sins on the cross of Calvary. He rose the third day and poured out of his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What shall we do with this understanding? Acts 2.38 says, Peter said unto them, repent be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let me conclude. Ruth died first to herself. She gave up plans for herself. A husband, a house, children, etc. She gave up all these plans. Next, she died to her country and community. Her people were the enemies of Israel. Her people were a result of incest between Lot and his daughters. But this daughter of Lot brought great honor to her great ancestor. Amen. Like I said earlier, isn't it interesting that the moment Ruth determined to go to Israel with Naomi, God visited Israel with abundance of food. Because the Bible says in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 6, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. How about that? You see, didn't I say earlier, God shut up the heavens and there was no bread in Bethlehem. But the moment Ruth determined to go to Bethlehem and Naomi accepted it, God began to provide food in Bethlehem. Let us go with the gospel. Let us cleave to the gospel. 
and the gospel will command blessings ahead of us. Let me repeat. Go with the gospel. Cleave to it. And it will command blessings to go ahead of you. Like I said, Ruth became the great-grandmother, great not great-great, but great-grandmother of King David. She became a part of the international blessings promised to Abraham. Yes, I say internationally. You know why? Genesis 28, 22, verse 18. Genesis 22, verse 18 says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. I've always said the promise, the blessing to Abraham was international. In thy seed. Who is this seed? In Galatians 3.16, the Apostle Paul explained that the promise was made to one seed, singular, not plural. And that seed is Jesus. So when you come to Abraham, the seed of Abraham is Jesus. And Ruth was a part of this line of blessing. And Jesus is that seed who would bless all nations. That's why I said, if you love the gospel, you can't say that you hate other countries or you, you are skeptical of other countries. You need to be delivered from this. May God make you part of the blessing of Abraham to be a blessing to all nations. May we cleave to the gospel of Jesus Christ and may all the nations of the earth be blessed through us in Jesus' name. God bless you. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this message. I thank you for the audience that are here and for those who shall hear through the uh, the uh, recording later on the website. Bless them. My Lord, I pray you give us the determination of Ruth. I pray that we will see something beyond Naomi, that we will see the international blessings given to Abraham that is contained in the gospel. But whoever touches the gospel touches the world. Whoever decides to go with the gospel will find themselves moving around among the nations of the world. I pray you give us fruit among the nations of the earth. I pray you bless us as you bless truth to go without being afraid of the, the future and what it brings because the gospel is with us. Jesus is the God of the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Hallelujah. We thank you for this message. Bless every person who's here today. I pray that you always make them fruitful for you because time is short. We know not when our souls will be required of us. Therefore, help us to redeem the time, I pray you, Jesus. Help us to apply our hearts to wisdom, Lord God, because eternity is long. Eternity is coming fast, but eternity will continue forever and ever and ever. Jesus, this is all we pray for, that we may bring glory to your name, because you are so worthy. There are no words to describe your value, your, your worth, my God. All we can pray and hope to do is to shower and pile honor upon honor upon that name that we so love. The God who did everything for us. What can we do for you, Jesus? What can we do for you, Jesus? What can we do for you, Jesus? Bless your people. Give them a heart to bless you back, my God. For you are truly good and your mercy endures forever. 
We love you with every fiber of our being, Jesus. We bless you with everything in us, my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I glorify you, my maker. I glorify you, Jesus of Nazareth. I bless you with everything in me, hallelujah. I exalt you, my God, hallelujah. Bless your people again and again. Bless your people, Jesus. All this we pray in the merciful name of Jesus of Nazareth. And the church says, amen, amen, amen. Jesus bless you. God bless you. God make you fruitful in all you do for his glory because he is truly worthy. And the word worthy is so, so weak. It really does not do justice to, to Jesus. Amen. Jesus is Jesus. There's no one like him. Amen. Let's do what we can for him. Let's, if you're not satisfied, and we should never be satisfied. Why don't please pray? Jesus hears prayers. Suddenly you will find yourself busy for him, blessing him in ways you cannot imagine. And that is the highest purpose of life, brothers and sisters. There's no higher purpose for living than this. Amen. To honor. Glorify the name of Jesus. God bless you abundantly in Jesus' name.